Hello and welcome to the Landmark Theatres podcast. Today we'll hear a discussion about the new documentary Sea of Shadows with director Richard Ludkani, producer Walter Kaler, and Andrea Crosta from Earth League International. This conversation was recorded during the film's opening weekend at the Landmark in Los Angeles. Good evening everybody. My name's Jazz Tanke from Awards Daily. Thank you all for coming out tonight to see Sea of Shadows. Um, it is my absolute honor to introduce uh, director Richard Ladkani, producer Walter Kohler, and Andrea Crosta from the Earth Act. Oh, Earth Act. Okay. Earth League International. Okay, Earth League International. <laughs> so, it is, I, that is such an urgent brilliant documentary um, and I think the message is we all need to act now um, Richard I think Richard directed the ivory game how many of you have actually seen this it was on Netflix okay um, so Richard let's talk about let's go all the way back how did this journey begin for you well it was actually just that we ha we had just finished the ivory game and Andrea uh, had been running an investigation um, on the Totoaba trade already um, while the Ivory Game was finishing. And, you know, when things quieted down, we, we sat down and, and talked, and he told me about this uh, thing. And he said, look, there's this crisis going on in Mexico, and there's this uh, fish called Totoaba, and then there's this vaquita, and they're both going extinct. And I stopped him right there, and I said, sorry, could you repeat that? What are you talking about? Toto what? And I'd never, ever heard about those two animals. I didn't even know they existed. I had no idea. But what was really fascinating was that um, it felt like a very symbolic war, what was going on. Because here you have organized crime, you know, the Sinaloa drug cartel and the Tijuana Chinese mafia conspiring together to attack planet Earth for harvesting, like, millions of dollars worth of this fish and selling it to China, destroying an ecosystem. And, like, we thought, you know, this is really actually a very universal, very big story. Even though it feels very local, it's actually super global because you have the same problem with the tiger, with the rhinos, with the elephants, with pangolins, with so many other species that are being sold for millions of dollars to China. So we're like, okay, this is actually potentially interesting. But it wasn't until our executive producer from the Ivory Game was Leonardo DiCaprio, and he... Um, we didn't know that, but he uh, actually deeply cared about the vaquita and was um, suddenly becoming very vocal about it on Instagram and Twitter. And he had met with a Mexican president and he wanted to save the vaquita. So it was him actually asking us to become involved and do we want to do a movie about this? Because he would be willing to push it out, you know, the communications of that and help us get the message out that this is a big deal and, and you know, the vaquita has to be saved. So once we had that like part of it covered that nobody would actually know what we're talking about, um, and him helping us advertise it, uh, we thought, okay, it's, it's worth taking the risk. And I say risk also because financially, Terramata, Walter is the producer of Terramata, you know, um, they, we had to engage in something where we actually were not sure if we would ever be able to film a vaquita. And if you can't film what you're talking about, it had never been filmed before, ever. So this is the first time you will see a living vaquita. And um, 
But if you can't do that, which it was very unlikely actually that we were able to get one because people have tried for 30 years, um, how can we have a powerful you know, story with impact? Because how can we emotionally connect you to an animal if we can never show it to you? Um, so it was a big risk, but we decided to jump in and, uh, and actually it was a very quick decision after that call. Uh, with DiCaprio, we decided within 24 hours to, to give it a go, and then we had five weeks before uh, the rescue operation started. So we had five weeks to prepare for this film, and yeah, never looked back, then dove straight in. And, and here we are. Um, so this, was, this started off as a nature documentary, but then it swiftly became about government, cartels, trafficking, how quickly did you find out this was going to be a lot more than just nature? Well, it, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't going to be a nature doc um, from the beginning. It was just like we thought, you know, if we can film a vaquita and if nothing else, it would be a quite an amazing nature doc um, because we would be the first, if we manage, would be the first people to ever show you a vaquita and it could have been an interesting story. But the dimension of the story only became clear actually um, once it died, because what we noticed was that as it died and the uh, scientists were pulling out, the cartel was moving in. And it was really like everything became suddenly much darker, much more dangerous. We had you know, suddenly very weird people in town who were not even fishermen. They came in from far away. Sinaloa cartel was seen people were talking and things got more tense and we felt, woof, this is gonna get like, uh, like a whole different drive. And, you know, I mean, obviously we were thinking of doing a, a, a wildlife crime story as well because he brought us into it um, and he, that's all he does, wildlife crime. But it wasn't until that very, very sad moment of the Vaquita dying that actually other, you know, sides of the story became extremely powerful and overwhelming. And it was also then that we had to hire um, security and bodyguards to keep going because it suddenly got extremely dangerous. And you received death threats from Oscar Parra? From the Parra, cartel, yeah, from Oscar Parra, yeah. But that was towards the end of it. We, we were running under a cover for a long time. To we were pretending to be wildlife, uh, wildlife film crew because that's all Terramata does. I mean, most, not all of it, but 90% of what they do is nature docs that you see on like BBC and everything. So we were pretending to be nature documentary filmmakers, not interested in politics at all. But then they started to figure us out. And the more they figured us out, the more dangerous it got. Andrea, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like what it was like for you getting down there and realizing how dangerous it was? I think this is one of the most dangerous investigations you've ever done. Yeah, we, we do we do edgy things. I mean, right now we are investigating. We have a big project on jaguar trafficking in in Latin America. We are uh, working on rhino horn trafficking in Southern Africa. So we are kind of used to this kind of um, scenarios. Um, for us, usually it gets complicated um, when when we partner with the with the media with with filmmakers, of course, because uh, we cannot really keep a low profile. Um, for example, right now, as we speak, I have two teams in Latin America uh, working on Jaguar, and they're ghosts. You don't, nobody know who they are and where they are. And, and that's, that's the way we work. But then when we partner with filmmakers, then we have to make choices. So 
uh, my choice was to basically divide into the team. Three of us would, would have been on camera, and this is the, the, my team that you see. And the other six, seven people, you will never know about them. They were there, they were around us, but that's, again, my ghost. Um, but then it got really complicated, as uh, Richard said. So at a certain moment, I had to, I decided to hide in plain sight. So I decided to um, um, pretend to be an Italian journalist uh, um, writing for a fishing magazine, an Italian fishing magazine. I even had the Italian fishing magazine, I mean, really. And that uh, helped me a lot, actually. Then all of us, that's why they are talking to me, because they want to talk to media. And so you, every and time and you're in a really different situation. And he was really tough on us because he suddenly started directing me, like, yeah. oh, that camera needs to yeah. go over there. Like, come on, sound, quick. You know? perfectly. It was very funny. <laughs> but let's talk about the impact of Sea of Shadows, because Richard, uh, Andrea, well, you and I sat down a few months ago before you took the film to the United Nations. So how have both the Mexican and the US government reacted since the film has been brought to their attention? I think Richard should have. Well, uh, we, we, we have a very, very strong impact campaign running um, aside along this, this film. Um, this was actually one of the things I really uh, stressed very much when National Geographic bought the film. I said, look, you know, this can be the film that can save the vaquita. You know, we're probably the last line of defense right now because all else is failing, and the vaquita may have 12 months left before it goes extinct. So this movie, if we if we use it well, it can be a very powerful weapon. And they were full in. They said, "Let's do it." The National Gra National Geographic Society is behind this as well, and we started uh, really reaching out to the United Nations. So we had a big screening uh, in New York at the headquarters there. We had another big screening at the invitation of the Secretary General in Geneva only a month ago. Um, we also had a screening uh, in Washington, D.C. for the State Department and also screening at the Mexican Senate at the invitation of senators from Mexico. And that all these screenings together are sending a very powerful message to the government that you know, the world cares. Now, of course, we had our big um, Hollywood premiere, which, you know, we had star power there. Leonardo DiCaprio was there the whole evening until midnight. Uh, Jane Goodall was there hosting the event. It made, you know, the New York Times, the LA Times, and all that. And for the first time yesterday, the Mexican president talked about the vaquita uh, for the very, very first time since he took office in January. So it was really... <laughs> it was hard work, but he said, yes, we need to save the vaquita and we need a rescue plan for the whole Sea of Cortez and we'll be presenting you with our solutions uh, shortly. So there was a journalist who at a daily press conference actually targeted him and said, you know, what is your answer to all these things? And for the first time, he actually had to say something. So now uh, we're going to announce the Mexican cinema release very soon. It's going to be uh, August 30th. We we'll have a, a very wide release uh, with Cinepolis, the biggest distributor there, uh, in six, more than 60 cities. So it's going to be really big. Uh, Mexicans, for the first time, will see the vaquita alive. And what we want is for them to see it as their panda. You know, what the panda is to China, like a symbol. We want them to have the panda of the sea as their national symbol and want to protect it. They've never seen it, so they had a hard time to fight for it or, or, or create any love for it, but we want to change that and we think the movie can, can make that difference. 
um, I can share one story with you because this was the first time when we started and uh, um, we had the world premiere in Sundance Park City and suddenly Carlos was, uh, uh, Carlos' phone was ringing and on the, the journalist, Carlos journalist, Loret, and on the phone was uh, the Mexican um, uh, Minister of the Environment. And suddenly yeah, he asked about the f uh, film and whether it's true that we saw in Living Vaquita, etc., etc. And so we learned that it was the plan of the government to declare the Vaquita for extinct. Because if it's gone, there's no problem. They don't have to care about the, uh, 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 about the, uh, the cartel because they would move in big, uh, big, uh, big time. They wouldn't have to pay um, compensation to the fishermen for, 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 for the fishing ban, which they stopped anyway. Until now, the fishermen since January don't, uh, don't get anything paid. And this was our first moment of joy that we knew this is now over. This chance is gone, and we told them clearly, you know, you are now a, a new government. You, you, uh, um, uh, you can be our best friend, so we can be our biggest, uh, uh, your biggest enemy. Wow, that's amazing. And there was a seize last uh, in a, in uh, that was released in the news in June. Do you want to talk about that, Andrea? Tell the audience what happened. Yeah, there were two. So one big uh, bust in China months ago. Uh, we're pretty sure they use also our information because we have been sharing with them for for a long time. Um, and then about uh, six weeks ago, maybe eight weeks ago, there was a big bust uh, um, uh, of f almost $4 million of Totoaba was seized uh, on, uh, on a car driving from San Diego to Los Angeles. So it's here. It's happening right now. And that was by chance. They got stopped for another reason. And I know they are working on it now. So it is happening in California right now. Uh, they're using Totoaba to, um, to for money laundering. It's very easy to launder money with Totoaba once it's dried up and you send it back to China. Every time you send millions of dollars of black money back to China. So it's, it's a crime also in China. Um, in China then it used also to bribe uh, um, public officials. You know, when, it, when it's dried up, the, 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 the older it gets and the, and the more prices get. So we film uh, swim bladders uh, for $100,000 a piece. So when you have a meeting with the public officials, you give them a totoaba. It looks like you're giving just a piece of fish, but you're actually giving $100,000. So it's a, there's a whole world behind totoaba trafficking. It's not just, it's, it's really complicated. It's amazing. I'm gonna throw this out to the audience. So does anybody have any questions? Yes, you're at the front. Which fish? Totoaba or the vaquita? Well, you saw what happens, right? They, the area they live in is 20 by 20 miles. So we are talking 400 square miles is, is their habitat. And you try to um, catch them and put them into any sort of captive uh, environment and they I mean, that one died within hours of a heart attack. And because you have less than 15 on this planet, you cannot risk another operation and have even one more die, uh, you know, out of like human in 
like human intervention. Like that's not an option anymore. Especially a female. Yeah, and the the only way right now to uh, to ensure their survival is uh, no nets in the water. Like absolutely no fishing can be done in their habitat, but that can only happen if other you know if the law enforcement actually starts to crack down seriously because you know what you saw there we thought they were very serious about it you know they brought helicopters and you know navy marines and all these things but then actually we realized like something's wrong because how can you have 300 soldiers in the area like 10 ships you know two helicopters and everything and they still get away every single time it was just like how can you be on the wrong dock how can you be <laughs> late how can you be so visible that they know you're here and the siren goes off like there was like so what what, what i realized is i worked very closely with the with the navy for a while i got the nickname el comandante because i came in i'm like come on now like tonight we're gonna have an arrest you know so but what i realized is that there was so much internal um well there were so many snitches that they always were one step ahead of us they always knew what was going on. So within the Marines, within the military, they, the cartel had their people and they were telling them what's going on at all times. And also what happened, you know, when the riots went down, um, they released those three fishermen. Once, it was the only arrest that we ever saw. And within hours they had to release them because, you know, it turned into a riot and everything. And later when it all was over, I asked the, uh, uh, rear admiral in charge and I'm, I was like how's this possible like how can you not like crush this in a way you know like you're you should be more powerful and then he wanted me to turn off the camera and he's like okay we talk one-on-one -on -one now I'm like yeah okay um, and he said you know the real problem is that we are really afraid of the cartel if we hurt them and their operation they will come after us and not only kill me, but they will kill me, my wife, my children, everyone around me. And this is very real. And they, that's what they do. So we're not going to crush this because it's just too dangerous for us. you know. And that was like when I thought, okay, filming's done. Like we're, not, we're never going to get beyond what we had. And, uh, and that's, uh, yeah, that's when we knew it. that's it. Driven by the same thing. I mean, it's, and I I don't want to point the finger uh, to you know to China because China is here the probably the, the the most significant threat to the planet right now, but it's also the pretty much the only opportunity we have to to say this. So we have to work with the Chinese. Um, but the the problem is that the market is the is you know in the the mistake of the past years uh, I would say decade is that pretty much everyone, uh, governments, media, NGOs, donors, everyone, 
they were obsessed with the two ends of the illegal supply chain, so the anti-poaching and the awareness campaign. So with anti-poaching, you pretty much keep the animals alive. It is important, but, uh, um, but you just buy time. You don't do more than that. Awareness campaigns is a very, very long-term project. You, you, what you need is a full generational change in China. You, you, you will not achieve anything before there is a full generational change. So I'm not saying do not do awareness campaigns. Keep doing it. But it will not save right now many, many iconic and less iconic species like uh, rhino, elephants, tiger, lion, jaguar, pangolins, habitats, oceans. Uh, they have five, ten years, maybe 15 certainly they don't have the time for a full you know, change in China. And at the heart of this problem, there is crime, nothing else. And it's very, very dangerous when you treat a problem that is crime in nature as an environmental problem. That's what they have been doing for the past 10 years. It, that's why every time I go, I say, every time we talk about environmental crime, please forget the first word, take it out. It's crime with capital C with environmental consequences, with social climate consequences, yes, but it's crime. So you need crime professionals. That bottom, so I, 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 I have high esteem of biologists and scientists and activists, they do a great job, but it's not enough to fight this kind of people. And that's why in my organization we work with former FBI and, and, and so on, because that's the people you need, otherwise they will always, always be ahead of you. This documentary inspired change, like it made me want to do something. What can everybody here right now do to help? Well, uh, we have a big, as I, as I said, an, a big impact campaign and media and also social media for us is super important. Um, we also have, uh, well, we have a website, seaofshadows.film and we're on Facebook and Instagram, of course. Please follow our campaign and we constantly have calls to action. But one right now is that we have a petition uh, that we launched a week ago. We already have 25,000 signatures. And that petition is actually a call to action for the Mexican government on what they have to act on. That they have to act on those Chinese in Tijuana who will keep buying the Totoaba from the, the cartel. So you have to cut off that market, just threaten them. They ha they're completely not even in being investigated and we do not understand why. You have to have solutions for the fishermen. These are fishermen who need to fish. So they need to be able to go out to sea and fish in a sustainable way with fishing nets that do not kill the vaquita. You have to support the development of those nets and find ways and regulations on how they can go about living in this area without starving to death. You know, There should be a compensation program that pays them a monthly fee for not going out to fish. That has been stopped with a new president. He thought the vaquitas going extinct anyway, so might as well stop that money and put it like into like an oil refinery that he now wants to build. Uh, it's like ridiculous. So this call, this petition, which you can sign on change.org, you find it on our website. Every signature sends an email to the new environmental minister, every single one. So he got 25,000 emails now in a week. And yesterday we had the president talk about it for the first time. So we are encouraging you to please sign that. This is actually working. We'll have the Mexican release end of August. We're going to build up a lot of pressure in Mexico. Fortunately, Carlos Loret de Mola from Televisa is a big anchor there. He's going to push the movie like beyond belief so that you know a lot of people see it. But we need this movement of change. We need to show the Mexicans that the world cares. And then they may decide to act on it 
because it's worse not to act than to live in shame of like letting a species go extinct. It would be the first marine mammal in decades actually to go. Um, so we need them to understand we care, we all care, and that's what this movie uh, is trying to do. Also, of course, these organizations, Earth League International and Sea Shepherd, cannot live without um, private donations. They're entirely funded by people like you. So these investigations are, of course, expensive. The more dangerous they are, the more money they cost to keep people safe, but they do an amazing job. So if you have you know, some money left over, please you know, help these guys. They are extremely important, my personal heroes, and we want to support them with everything we can. So this is what you can do. Besides, of course, if you have children, I see some very young kids here, which is always great. We need to talk to the young people about you know, the environment and what's going on. So encourage them to see films like this, to think about our environment and what all of us can do. We, sh we need to think about that. I started 10 years ago. I met Jane Goodall 10 years ago. She changed my life because she told me, you have the power to make films, films that can inspire millions of people. Just choose the right topics and you know, get going like now. So this was amazing. But all of you have certain jobs, certain you know, ways of influencing others. We need to start talking about it because time's running out. And it's not just for the vaquita. There is so much going on. You will find your way on how you can help, for sure. Seaofshadows.film. Seaofshadows.film. Richard, Walter, Andrea, thank you so much for telling your story. Thank you, everybody, for coming out tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Seaofshadows.film. Seaofshadows.film, yeah. And you find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we'll be outside if you have more questions. Thank, thank you. Thank you, everybody.